don't get me wrong. I'm not saying be soft. I'm not saying that by any means. But I can tell you, if you're a humble leader and you show up to the firehouse every day ready to lead and your attitude's good, you're going to have a following that's going to change the culture of your organization for generations to come. I love that. Firehouse Vigilance presents The Weekly Scrap, a podcast dedicated to the never-ending fight against complacency. Weekly Scrap, number 61, Quoting More, Firehouse Vigilance. Special guest tonight is LJ Geist. He has been working in the fire service since 2009, currently works for two separate fire departments, one full-time, another part-time. Starting in 2017, uh, he began to participate in the 110 for the 343, which is a mission to climb 110 stories for every FDNY member lost on 9-11. He has currently completed 138 of those climbs, which is a staggering 15,180 stories in full gear. He's an advocate of training, a student of leadership, culture development. He contributes regularly to the training officer, fire pay, uh, the Facebook page, training officer, and um, I met him at the Mid-America Fools Conference, and instantly we hit it off. And so, uh, my pleasure to have you on as the guest of Weekly Scrap number 61. Welcome, LJ Geist. Orly, thank you, man. What a... I can't I can't begin to tell you how humbled I am to be on this show with you, Pat. Um, man, I'm stoked to be on here. And, and I'm not half the man and half the firefighters, the guests that, that you've had on here. But we're going to have a good time and talk talk about some just some some real life stuff and it's going to be good so i'm honored and and fortunate to be on here corley you are too humble and that is why you are on here and i appreciate it and it's very crazy uh to everyone watching live if you have questions for lj or myself oh as always do not hesitate to ask throw them in the chat so that we can answer them and contribute to the scrap um did i miss anything in the bio anything you want to add no, man, I think you pretty well hit it. Let's get this thing rolling. All right. Then I'm going to kick it off with the same question I've been kicking off the scraps for most of this year, which is the craziness of 2020. How has it affected you, uh, especially the stair climbs? Has it slowed it down? Um, talk to me about 2020 and how it's affected you in the fire service. Man, you know what? I, in between COVID and, and the, the elections and the politics and all the BS going on, Man, you know what? You can either let that stuff affect you, or you can move on with life and just live it. And I and know. life life's too short to life's too short to get all copped up and cooped up in that kind of junk. So, you know, we went on vacation last summer with a bunch of family and friends to Branson. Uh, had a great time. <clears throat> you know, we had to wear a mask. It was crazy there. Um, we've just been living life. Took some guys out pheasant hunting out in western Kansas here a couple nice. weeks ago. Um, you know, so we've just been living life, and we've we've adapted to it. We've overcome it. Um, it's it's affected all of us. Everything has. It's affected everybody. Uh, but you know what? We're just pushing through it, and I'm just trying to be a husband and a dad and a firefighter and a friend and a son, and uh, that's all I can do. And when it comes to stair climbs, well, it, it, I, you know, I signed up for Tulsa and Wichita this year, and both of them got canceled, and right. it is what it is. Um, you can't blame those cities for canceling something like that. It, it doesn't look very professional when you have a group of firefighters showing up to a stair climb and, and nobody's social distancing and wearing masks and different things. So you certainly can't blame those people for doing something, you know, for canceling those events. Sure, sure. It just, you know, I've never been on, I've never been on, um, an election or a committee, I guess the committee to, to do something like that. You know, those people put in a lot of work year round to make those stair climbs what they are. And so I just, for more than anything, I hate it for them, for the hard work that they put into it to have something like that be canceled. Right on, right on. So has it set you behind your schedule? Do you have a schedule on the one? I, well, which we'll get to the 110 for 343. Did you have a goal to get them done by, though? <laughs> uh, you know what? Every time I set a goal, Marley, it just seems like <laughs> it gets pushed farther and farther back because, you know, I'm in between the firehouse and a part-time job and I'm studying to get my personal trainer certification right now. My kids are learning from home. Uh, it just seems like there's always stuff pushing right. it back and you know what? It's not a race and, and it's certainly, and we'll get to it when we climb, but this one ten for the three forty three is not about me at all. It's about remembering the men and the women who have died on nine 11 and for the FDNY members who have been lost and who are still from nine 11 related cancer, still passing away. 
it's about remembering them and remembering their families and just letting their families know that, you know what, no matter what comes, even 20 years later, we're not going to forget about the sacrifices that your family members made on that day. Right on, right on. Hey, it's a powerful way. And again, we will talk about the one ten for three and get into the specifics of it. But I want to start with where I first met you, which was online, um, the 2020 style, through Justin Lorenzen and the training officer. And you are big into training, and and a, you're also very big about training outside of your own department. I just want to let you talk about that for a minute and your philosophy on that. Sure. So, you know, there's a saying that's been going on in the fire service quite some time. You can never train too much for a job that can kill you. And there's so much truth to that. But at the same time, you got to break this thing down to this whole training spectrum and what training is really about into your own department, your own shift, and the guys that you're on shift with. It is so important to train in-house with your own men and women. And Justin Lorenzen, I don't remember if it was on your scrap or whether it was something he put on the training officer Facebook page, but he said it was something to the effect of when you train, you're going to fail and you're going to mess up, and it's okay. Right on. Because that's why we train. That's why we train. So Exactly. That's exactly why we train. And so when you get to go up, when you get out with your men and your women that you're on shift with this, within your own organization and you train together, it exposes weaknesses. And I think that's what Justin was, was replying to. It exposes weaknesses. And that's okay because every one of us, if you're humble enough as a firefighter, which you better be, because if you're not, there's something that will humble you that's a greater force right than, than right you on. are. Um, it's okay to get humbled in that aspect of training because it's okay for those people to see that because when you're humbled, that, that should make you hungry. When you screw up on the training ground, that should make you hunger to be a better firefighter. Love that. So then, so then you go to outside training. I, man, I get so pissed off with people who say, man, I don't want to go to outside training because all it is, it's put on by big city firefighters. It's put on in big cities all the time, man, come on. Right. You can, you can go to so many trainings, and yeah, a lot of times those trainings are put on by big city firefighters in big cities because they get a lot more work and a lot more fire duty than us yeah. small town guys do. But if you go there and you're humble and you walk in humility on the training ground, there is so much stuff that you can learn from all those trainings. And then if you're humble enough, you can take those trainings back and you can relate those trainings and put them into what your fire department is about. You know what? Not all of us all not all of us have ten or fifteen rigs showing up on a on the fire ground for a residential structure. That's Amen. okay. Amen. But you know what? You can use bailouts. You can use search vests, stretching hose. There's so many ways to do all this different kind of stuff. Just go learn it and apply it to how your department can use it. Because one day when shit hits the fan, right on. You might relate back to that very training and something one of those guys said. So quit with the excuses. Train with your men and women, get off your ass and go to trainings outside of your organization because not only do you get to learn some great training, take the take the Mid-America Fools Conference. That Friday of lectures was Corley, that was hands down one of the coolest things that I've ever got to be a part of. To hear those guys, there was what, five speakers yes. heard in the morning and then was there four in the afternoon? Yeah, Isaacson took the morning and then the the other four were in the afternoon. Yeah, it was it was it, good. So Five yes. guys total. Everybody hit on different spectrums of the fire service. Man, if I had my notebook in here with me, I think I've got like 15 pages of notes that I took from that day. That is awesome. It's, a, it's, it's good. You need to get that. But then also another thing that training does, you get to develop relationships too. And that's a huge thing in the fire service. Man, that's one of the coolest things. Besides training, just building those relationships is one of the coolest things. No, so absolutely. All I'll get off my soapbox. No, no, I love the soapbox. I want to say um, I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap it up and I'm gonna make a meme out of it. It's gonna say "Quit with the excuses, get off your asses," and it's gonna be on a cool fire picture, and it's gonna say "Firehouse Vigilance" at the bottom and say "LJ Geist." Quit with the excuses, hey, get go. off your asses. So. There you go. All right, Tony Nunez has chimed in and said hashtag Beast Mode. I'm assuming he is talking to you. Uh, Gigi Galasso has chimed in with the fire truck. Tony Nunez says train so you don't fail. Don't fail to train. And Hannah Elliott said Mid-America was awesome with awesome in all caps for the emphasis. And I agree, man. It was a really good time. I got to meet both Hannah in person and LJ in person. And that was kind of the highlight of the day for me. And so uh, yeah. it was awesome. Yeah, Hannah's going to Florida, huh? 
Yeah, she's going down to the benefit. Con- Man, I just got back and I, I really wanted to squeeze. A- I'm going. I went last month. I'm going in February, and I really wanted to squeeze in December, but I just couldn't make it happen. Sure. So uh, it's that's tough. Three times in three months or so. Um, you are a pretty passionate guy. I think that's a that's a pretty safe assumption to make. And so, what are some keys for you staying engaged? You know, I I think that's a I think that's something that is that I'm continually learning. Because I think no matter how much you love this job, there will be those days to where you really wonder. I mean, if we want to be real, let's let's be honest here. Whether it could be that call, um, it could be your boss, your company officers, your company bosses. You always you always wonder about things. But for me, we just talked about it, training. Man, here, here a couple of weeks ago, I was kind of in a foul mood. It's not that I was disliking the job or hating it, but I just I was kind of in a foul mood. And you know what I did? I went outside. I looked at the engine, and I was like, man, these tools look like crap. So guess what? I just started working on tools, and I'm I did that for about tools. three shifts in a row. So there's so many different things that you can do in the firehouse. Go work on tools. If you're irritated with something or you're grumpy or your attitude sucks, go grab one of the guys and go stretch hose. Go throw ladders. Call somebody. Man, call a mentor. Call somebody who in the fire services you've just fallen you know, in love with, I guess. I don't know how else to really say it. Right. right. But no, believe me, get I a hold it. of that. Yeah, get, that, get a hold of that person and say, man, I'm struggling. Be humble about it. Be passionate about it. I need some help. What's some words of wisdom? Just speak some fire life into me. And so for me, I've just been fortunate that, you know, I've got four or five guys in the fire service um, that I can call at any time or or get a hold of. And man, they'll just, uh, they just get me pumped up. And so that's a, yeah, exactly. And you talked about it uh, on your oxygen, on your fire, on your fire triangle. I mean, that's, you got to have those people that just keep, that just keep you engaged and, and training's part of it, and and you know that brotherhood, man. That's such a huge part of staying engaged. Absolutely, absolutely. I love that. And speaking of oxidizers, one of the best oxidizers in the business, Howard Reinwalt says, "Spit the drink; it's the new cool." <laughs> we just talked about that, Chief. Matter of fact, really, and I just talked about that uh, uh, on our pre warm up game here. So that's awesome, man, Chief Chief Reinwalt, man. That is a dude that gets it. Right. He gets what being a leader is all about. And I have no doubt that that guy is going to have the best culture in any fire department in North America going. He already does, but it's just going to keep getting better. So my hat's off to that man. What a good man. Dude, everybody I've met that's around him, I'm just like so impressed. And it starts at the top. Uh, so we'll we'll sit there and talk about you for a minute, Chief. Did you see the picture of him in his suit? Was very man, impressive. I did. I did not. I know. It was I great. Was hats that. off. So, yes. Yes. All right. Enough about Chief Reinwald. We, yeah. uh, when I when I talk to you, there's a strong sense of attitude, and it's already come through in the answers you've already given. When I say attitude, I don't mean like uh, chest out, walking through life with an attitude. I'm saying uh, you have that mindset or basically that outlook towards life of it is what you make of it. So is that just something you're born with, something you've learned, something you work on uh, proactively? What What's your take on that? You know, I I was kind of thinking about that earlier today, and and I want to fall back to my early. I'm 38 years old, and I kind of want to fall back to my early 20s. Um, when I was about 23 or 24 years old, I made the decision to start rodeoing. Okay, and uh, I was a bullfighter, rodeo clown, and I can promise you, when you're out there with a 2,000 pound animal that has baseball bat sticking out of his head, you got two choices: you can either do the work, or you can be a coward and run. And so that mindset of having to get in there because that, that bull rider, if he falls off a bull and he starts getting hooked, you are, you are the lifeline for that cowboy. It is your job to get in there and take the hooking. And it's a mindset. It's a, it's a hundred percent commitment. You can't half ass get in there with a 2000 pound bucking bull. Okay. So that you've got to get in there and you got to get the job done. It's no different than being in the fire service. Right on. Your, your, your mental aspect, you've got to show up every day ready to go. And if you don't, there's something. If you get that call or that fire or that code blue or that car wreck, 
it takes one screw up and it can cost you your life or it can cost one of your fellow firefighters their lives and someone's not going home to their family the next day. Right on. So that attitude and that outlook and that mindset, not everybody's going to be 100% every single day. Let's be honest. We're, we're human beings. No, we, no. we screw up. We, we mess up. And, I'm, and if there's anybody that's, on, that's ever been on your show – I'll be the first to admit it, man. I, I can screw up worse than anybody in this world. Join the club. But you've got to have that mindset. Yeah, and so you got to have that mindset. It's freaking go time. There's right. no there's no time to mess around. So you got to get in there and get the, just go to work. No, and and the thing and and the, and the part that's such a seduction, or I don't even know the right words to say it, is that you can get what get away with it ninety nine times where you're not at the top, and but it doesn't matter that one hundred time or insert the number. You know, that's where the yep. complacency and that's, uh, you know, oh, yeah, very, very, very strong. Uh, switching gears on you. I'm going to move because this is my favorite topic, period. Uh, if I had to pick a favorite topic and I could talk about almost anything, we could rabbit hole almost anything. But I love leadership. I love discussing leadership. Um, it's such a multifaceted um, topic. But safe to say you are a student of the topic. Correct. Absolutely. We, me, Absolutely. Me and you had like a a, a deep thirty minute uh, rabbit hole discussion just when the the short time we got to share a couple of brews together. But here is an open ended question for you to define. According to L. J. Geist, what is the essence of leadership? You know, I, <clears throat> there's there's about a two or three part answer to this question. I'll try to make it quick so I don't take up everybody's Dude, time. But this is the funnest part. You can go as anywhere you direction you want. For me, it's being humble. You have, if you want to be a leader that is going to make an impact today and tomorrow and into the future of your organization, you have to be humble. Be, so let's let's do humility. Let's just throw out the word humility, and then comma. You're either a leader or you're an asshole, but you can't be both. Ooh, I like that. You, you literally, you cannot be a leader and be an asshole at the same time. You can't be humble and be an asshole at the same time. You can't be. It's greed. It's arrogance. It's pride. You cannot let those things take over your assets and your skills of being a leader. So let's talk about what leadership isn't. And, and let's talk about discrimination. Leadership, it doesn't discriminate against age. Because I try to tell my kids on their sports teams, you be you go out on the football field, you go out on the court, and you be a leader of your team. You be the hardest worker at every practice. It doesn't discriminate against race. It doesn't discriminate against your title or your position in your organization. It doesn't discriminate against any of that. Because I can tell you, Corley, I've worked for firefighters who are hands down better leaders at their jobs as a firefighter than the company officers were on that shift. I've seen that in the fire service time and time and time again. Why? They were humble. They were passionate. They knew their shit. They wanted to train, and they gave a crap about the people they served with, and they damn sure gave a crap about the people they served. Love and so if you want to be, if you want that leadership to kick in, man, just be humble. Let your ego go. Now, there's times when you're when you're starting to chew somebody's ass that they're going to think man this guy's kind of an ass right and that's okay there you have to step up to the plate and you've got to be that leader don't get me wrong i'm not saying be soft i'm not saying that by any means but i can tell you if you're a humble leader and you show up to the firehouse every day ready to lead and your attitude's good you're going to have a following that's going to change the culture of your organization for generations to come i love that humility Big, big capital comma, don't be an asshole. Now yep. I sit there and I contemplate. I say, can you be a leader and an asshole at the same time? Can you do it? And I'm sitting there contemplating in my head. I'm trying to come up with a situation where it works, and I really do like that a lot. I'm going to steal it from you. I hope you don't mind. That's fine. And, and you know, I think Mark Van Appen might have said something when he's on the scrap, too, about that, or maybe it's something he put on his page. But you seriously can't. You can't be a leader and an asshole at the same time. So just don't try it. Just be a good one. No, I like leader. it. And, and again, a book I always reference, which is Legacy, James Kerr, the, the, the lessons learned from the All Blacks. And one of their first lessons, either lesson one or lessons two, is 
good people, it's don't be a dickhead, which same thing, don't be an asshole, which is, yep. you know, they're saying good people make good rugby players. And so, and so good people make good firefighters. I love that, man. That's uh, good. You've got a lot of hell yeses. Uh, yes, we got Howard Reinwald. I think he sent you 20 bullseye target emojis. Uh, Antonio Juan <laughs> said humble with a heart. Tony Nunez said fire. I think people agreed with your uh, interpretation of the essence of leadership. So very, very nice. Man, you know what, Coy? You're right. Leadership is something that you can study for the rest of your life, and you will learn something new literally every single day. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's the cool thing about that topic. And I, man, that's why I read books and, and look at, you know, that's why I study leadership the way I do. Cause it's, it's, man, it just, it goes so much beyond the walls of a firehouse and how, you know, I'm writing, a, I'm writing an article right now that I just, for whatever reason called street level leadership. Ooh, like and that. one of the things I put in there is, is how can my company officer expect me to show up to the firehouse and be a leader of some sort and lead on the fire ground, even though I'm not an officer, I'm a nozzleman, when I can't even lead my own home and my wife and kids. Well, and so that's, that's just something that I've put in there. If you can't lead in your private life, how can, you leave, how can you lead in the life of the sector of a fire department, the firehouse and the fire ground? It's impossible. No, that's such a powerful lesson. And, and uh, one of my heroes, Frank Fritz-Cuso, you know, his uh, – a leader of one can be a leader of many, but if you can't lead one, you can't lead any. And if you can't lead yourself, man, you will never be a leader. And I love his quote, yeah. and it's just right there with it. Uh, so that's awesome. Um, I, I love these questions. Well, I, I even wrote this question to you of what's the essence of leadership, and I was like, what's my answer? What's my answer? What would I say? And, of course, there's no single answer. We could sit here and go back and forth with multiple definitions of this is the essence and this is the essence and trust, humility, uh, relationships, you know, and all these different things. And I would say it's caring more about your guys than you care about yourself. And then I, you know, of course, in my own head, I go down rabbit holes and say, well, there's lots of guys who say, you know, if you just care about your guys, you just let them do whatever they want. But the true definition of caring about your guys making sure they know their jobs, making sure they know their district, making sure they're ready to take care of business. That is caring for yep. your guys, you know? Yep. So, uh, Philip Moore said fire life is a whole life commitment. And we've got J Lo chiming in and said, LJ is a solid dude. He gave you a fist bump and said, brother, <laughs> dude, I love that guy. Dude, there's no doubt. Um, Philip Moore said as a new officer, I love this stuff. So I want to ask you, have you per and this is just a personal opinion, so it's not quite five questions for firefighters time yet, but I'm asking you as a personal uh, have you been more impacted by bad leadership teaching you what not to do, or have you been one of the lucky few who's had good leadership mentor you in in how to move forward which ones which ones impacted l j Geist more man cool, I am so fortunate uh, in that spectrum is that I've had some solid leaders. Now, don't get me wrong. My first career department, I had a couple guys, a couple officers that, my God, it just, you almost hated going in on shifts some days because, number one, you never knew what kind of attitude they were going to show up with. No, it was just a, and thank God they retired and, and got out of there. But, man, I am so fortunate that I have had, and, I, and I'm even thinking well before my fire days, my firefighter days, the leadership that I've had, some of the bosses that I've had, um, it, they just expect you to show up and go to work. Right. And so they didn't want excuses, um, and they didn't want the BS that goes along with it. Just show up and do what I ask you to, and I don't want to hear no crap from you. And so <laughs> I've been very fortunate to have some straightforward leadership. So jump forward to the fire service. Uh, besides just a hand, just a couple, really not even a handful, just a couple of bad leaders. I've been so fortunate to have some great guys, and um, I it, a couple of them um, a couple years ago uh, in a town west of where I live at. They had a they had a cup they had some some guys promote. They went through the all promotional test and the interviews and with you know HR and and bringing in firefighters and officers from other departments to, to interview these guys. And, and I got stuck and I got, I got to stay on this shift. And so I had a brand new captain and a brand new Lieutenant 
on the shift. And, and that's, that takes some balls from a chief to stick two brand new guys that are newly appointed company bosses on a shift together. I mean, let's, let's face it, it takes some guts to do that as a chief, but, so, but he, the chief must've seen something that he liked in these guys. And so our very, our very first shift as a whole shift together, they took us in our classroom and they set us down and they told us our expectations mm. of what as company officers Right, we had breakfast that morning, and we went in there and sat down. And they handed us a paper that's about four or five pages long, and they told us what they expected of us. Dude, that's strong. And you know what, Corey? There was no question ever what they expected of us. And here's the cool part: after we went through and they talked to us, their next question was, "What do you guys expect from us?" You see that? There you go. And so, so fast forward, fast forward a few months. These guys, at the end of the year, we had double the amount of training hours than the other two shifts combined. What does that tell you oh, as company yeah. officers? Brand new dudes that are company officers, what does that tell you? They knew that their men were hungry, and their men knew that they were hungry. And that we together wanted to learn and be better as a shift. And, man, I can tell you, there were times, there was one night, we were out till like midnight at 12.30 flowing water out of our ladder truck because we wanted to see how much we could get out of get the out nozzle. Of squeeze out of it, yes. Love you it. know, and stretching hose, I don't know how many thousands upon thousands of gallons of water we flowed stretching hose. And so, to me, that is good leadership. Oh, yeah. That is what you want. And they never had to tell us in the mornings to go check our trucks. They never had to tell us to go do our weekly checks on our rigs. You know, it they they knew what they knew that we needed to get to work and we knew that we needed to get to work and there was no bull crap or BS behind it. Right there on. was no hidden gem. There was no hidden crap, man. It was just dude that and those two guys, I can tell you this, Corley, those two guys, I would go to hell and back on a hose reel line with them boys that you pull off a brush rig to fight fire with them because they are just that solid of, of, of people. And so, um, to forget to leadership. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's it. That's, that's a pretty solid compliment. So I it's hard to knock. And I, I mean, like you said, you start with humility. If you start with humility and you come in with the expectations and then you stay consistent, and you let your guys know that they are important and you will take care of them, then all the rest of the shit will take care of itself, man. If yep. you can, if you can, if you can lock that in, basically what you laid out right there, then all the rest of it will take care of itself and you will have trouble reining those guys in when it comes to getting stuff done. Um, and like you, yep. just, yeah, I love it, man. I love it. Okay. Philip Moore said all day, my LT on engine four, St. Petersburg was Phil Whitman. An absolute stud and a servant. I had the privilege of a senior man named Neil Kummerer that was the epitome of what I want to be when I grow up. And that's what I'm talking about, man. That is awesome. Tony Newton. You know what, you know what, go ahead. You know what two words I you know what two words I liked right there? Which one? He was a leader and he was a servant. Servant, yeah, it's hard to knock. That's dude, that's I love that word the fire service, man. That's I love it. So go ahead. No, no. Uh, I was just catching you up on the comments. We haven't got any questions on that yet, but a lot of comments, which is good stuff to discuss. Tony Nunez, again, coming in. He says, unfortunately, bad leaders or bosses can teach you the most, especially on what not to do. Great leaders will be there to steer you in the right direction each time and better yourself. And I don't know if it's um, – I think most people have – more influence from bad bosses or bad leaders, however you want to put it. I think Mark Von Oppen called them dickheads because uh, he, he, he's like, <laughs> he did. Yeah. And I think that's the best definition of it. Um, but yeah, I think most people have that experience more often than, than, than LJ's uh, awesome experience, which is great mentors. But I, I don't yeah. want to, that's not a de facto um, truth. I just, that's my sense of it. The sense I get any thoughts. No, man, that's, and, and you know, in our, in our line of work, you just, you just hate to see that because uh, you put it up on your firehouse vigilantly discussion about the Smith and Jones, about the senior firefighter who had the new recruit coming in and, and you had the two, the two answers from the, from the captain, from the company boss. Yeah. Go out and train or, 
or his second answer was no, don't be taking any crap off the rig. Right. And so you, you just, you hate to see that because let's just put it this way. Whether you're a department that holds an academy and you have brand new recruits coming out of the academy on the floor, whether you're a department like mine that doesn't have an academy, it doesn't matter. The first time that somebody, a brand new person shows up in your firehouse, you've got 24 hours to make an impression on that person. Literally, you have 24 hours to make an impression. And so you're either going to be realized that this guy doesn't give a shit about the job or you're going to be an officer or a senior man or whatever that makes an impact on this person. And I know what I'm going to do, but fortunately, unfortunately, there's those people that they don't have that that luck, I guess. I don't know how else to put it. They don't have that luck of getting into a firehouse where people care. Right. They want to train. You know, they just soon the new boy or new girl go out and clean bathrooms and sweep floors and make coffee. Station. Yeah, for you know, for the first day of the shift when all reality that that shit can wait until eight o'clock at night and they better be out in their district pulling hose up to up to doors and throwing ladders. Hell yes. So Hell yes. That 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 that's just that that's my opinion and I I just man, we run so many people so quick when, when the leadership is 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 not there. It's and, it's a sad it's a sad thing in our culture. And I want to be clear. I love when a rookie can make a good pot of coffee and when a rookie yeah. knows to go clean and I like sparkling toilets. But if it ever if he's ever scrubbing a toilet and does not know how to pull your preconnect, then there is an issue with the priorities in your department. So yep. Agreed. uh let's see. LJ uh J Lo's chiming in at you. He said, "LJ, elaborate on when you have a vision to work for a department that requires you to move your family." Does that makes sense. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> okay. Uh, pass. Love you, J Lo. <laughs> there it is. Hannah's going to hit you. Hannah, the uh, question asker of the scrap, said, "LJ, what are your thoughts on the need for realistic, challenging fire training within the fire service?" Oh man, you know, it's not every, not every department can afford a training tower or, or training connex boxes and all that. But, you know, for the departments can't afford that stuff or doesn't have the luxurious of being able to go to a training tower and do stuff, man, there's so many doors and so many places you can go stretch hose and go do stuff at. And you can't, uh, you can't let quote-unquote realistic training go out the window when you don't have all the cool training props that a lot of big cities have. You you need to make work what you have, and you need to enjoy doing it as a shift. I mean, I, I don't know I don't know how else to really answer that question, to be honest with you. We just, you've got to make do with what you have. Dude, I love it. <laughs> I mean, it's just, just plain and simple. That, that's what you have to do. And if you... If you have a record service that has tons of cars out there, call them and have them drop off a car at your place and cut the shit out of that thing. And and don't just cut a car up to do it. You know you need to make you need to make a scene out of it so it's real life. Cut it up you with know, a purpose. Yes. Yeah. Don't don't go pull hose at a on a commercial structure at nine o'clock at night just to go pull hose. Do it do it with a purpose. And so that's you know that that's really what you have to do. And know and know your district too. I mean that. Mm. There's nothing better than going out on a rig and just looking at buildings and houses. We just did that a couple months ago here. We went and stepped off like five houses. They were all our houses off the fire off my shift. We went and stepped out several houses uh, to see what the lay was from where we parked the engine to our front doors and and back doors and everything. So uh, that's if you want to get realistic, you know you can just get out in your district. You go have some fun. No, no. And I love what you said about, man, to make do with what you have. And, and so we always say, you know, we're firefighters. We adapt and we overcome. That's what we do. Someone calls 911 with an emergency. We show up. We fix the problem. Some way, shape, or form. It may be we save the slab and that's how we fix the problem. But we fix the problem. And so the, yep. the problem right now is getting realistic training. And it, it's a mindset. I'll go right back to like question number three that we talked about. It's that mindset and that attitude of we're going to adapt and overcome the fact that we can't have, uh, you know, just a rock and roll and training fire each and every shift in this badass training tower. And, and you know, we're going to adapt. Yep. We're going to overcome. And I love the fact that you stepped off houses 
uh, a big thing I've been preaching and, and talking about is when you make an EMS call at a house, when you step off the rig, you know, it's a, it's a, uh, lower level of consciousness call and you're going in there and it's not a real high priority type deal. And you're coming off the rig. When you look at that, you're walking up to the front door and you're carrying the medical and you're carrying the O2. You could be sitting there going, okay, that's a bathroom window. That's going to be the hallway. There's going to be two bedrooms back there. There's going to be a kitchen out there. That's going to be the, and you can actually do that while you're walking up. And then when you get inside and you start doing the patient care, you can look around and say, Oh, I batted like a, 750 on that one that wasn't too bad you know what i'm saying yeah and it's such a great chance to do a, a walkthrough especially it if it is. comes from the officer but go ahead sorry I'm, I'm preaching now so but go ahead no you're fine you, you actually <laughs> just stole one you actually just stole some of my answer from one of your five questions for firefighters so we'll, we'll hit on that i like a little it bit. i like it okay we'll save yeah, it for later i'm sorry i don't mean to take no, your thunder you're good. That's the opposite of what I want to do. Garrett Sharp said, how have you motivated the unmotivated, especially as a firefighter trying to motivate soon to be retired officers or drivers? Holy crap. That's a, that's a, that's a loaded one right there. So I, man, he had to hammer you with that question. No doubt. (laughs) You know, that, that's, that's, oh my gosh. I think that's something that a lot of the fire service is trying to figure out. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I, I, I wish that I, Garrett was his name correct. Garrett Sharp. Okay, Garrett Sharp. Yeah, he's he's a okay. I thought you said Sharp. That's a buddy of mine that I graduated school with. He was a year younger than me out in western Kansas. He's a firefighter up in the Dakotas now. Man, you know what? You just got to show up and just be passionate. And you know what? I guess I can't answer this question. So – uh, when I was with Andover Fire, uh, we had a captain that he didn't much care for working out or training physically, however you want to put that. And uh, a good buddy of mine, Stephen Colonnade, and I were on shift. This poor Stephen got promoted, and and uh, we would start. We did two days in the spring, summer, and fall. And a lot of times, our second workouts were just body weight, wall ball stuff like that. And before I knew it, um, Steve and I were out there doing it. Then we had three guys out there doing nice. it. Then we had our lieutenant out there doing it. And then I'll be damned if our captain came out there and started doing it with us on occasion. Awesome. We never we never were arrogant about going out and doing it. We didn't walk around the firehouse. Hey, we're going to get another workout in so we can be prepared for our people we serve. It wasn't none of that crap. We just went out there and just did the work. And, and I think the captain was looking out at the window in the bay, seeing us smile and having fun and and encouraging each other guess who showed up and started doing burpees with us and just started in, and then he was encouraging us and we were encouraging him so if i can answer that question stay humble be passionate about your job ask him what he loves about the fire service the most oh i love that you know start asking those questions hey man hey cap man you've been on the job for 28 years what was it like when you're a rookie compared to what it's like with rookies you see coming through now? Hey, Cap, what was the most badass fire you ever been on? Hey, Cap, if you could tell me one thing as a rookie or as a five-year man and you've been on the job for 30 years, what would you tell me to ensure that I love this job as much as I do now as when I'm in your seat? Right on. Because because as what happens is you're turning that you're turning that captain into, oh, my God, I've got uh, – I've got – 208 days left until retirement now you're turning it into man he goes home to his wife and he's like man i got this new kid on my shift and he's always asking me the questions of what do you love about the job and so you're 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 kind of doing a reverse psychology on him almost and so just stay engaged man and just and and don't don't let that company officer who's in that situation don't completely throw him under the bus because he needs a young recruit that's passionate to maybe help him out. So if I could answer, if I, that's, that's how I'd answer. Dude, that's a beautiful question. answer. A beautiful answer. I want to tack onto it just for a second, because this is something I've been, uh, it's a mantra of mine recently, which is uh, you can be right or you can be effective. And being right doesn't necessarily say is, is not the same as doing the right thing. You always do the right thing. Okay. But being right is when, you acknowledge that you're right. That captain's wrong, right? That's not what it's about. You want to be effective. And so when you can balance those two and kind of, it goes back to humility and get your ego out of the way where you don't have to be right. You're just effective and you can get him bought in just a little bit and take those small victories and they can lead to big victories. Yep. 
So I love know, it. I, I like ta- that's one of my my current mantras is that whole right versus effective thing, and it has nothing to do with doing the right thing because that's that's a given. But yep. being right is about the ego. Yep. So anyway, uh, Philip Moore chimed in. He said, "Absolutely, if they know the order." Uh, sorry, get out of here. My computer. Uh, absolutely. If they know the order form for supplies and not what is on my engine, it is a problem, which is going back to the making coffee. Yep. How, uh, Philip Moore said, how do you overcome a toxic training division that wants you to not be seen or heard from when you are not on a call? Dude, these are some hard balls. These are some fastballs coming down the pipe at you. It's like if we knew the answers to this, we'd have a bestseller. I promise you. But go ahead. So, have a good discussion. So can you repeat that? So how can you repeat the training division question again? I'm sorry, Corey. I want no, to make good. sure that I understand it. How do you overcome a toxic training vision that wants you to not be seen or heard from unless you're on a call? <laughs> He's probably not going to want to know how I'm going to answer this question. Um, you start looking for badass fire departments that are, have openings and you go put your application with them. That's how you do that. Mm. I mean, and I, I hate to be like that, but for crying out loud, you're, how can oh my how how can you serve a department? How can a chief have a training division underneath him that wants his people to be quiet, and not be heard or seen? That I I don't know, Corley. That that's crazy to me. I I don't understand that because our citizens, the people that we serve, the people that pay our tax dollars and allow us to have bunker gear and ride out in those engines and those ladder trucks and everything, they deserve the best from us. 100%. And guess what that takes. It takes freaking training. That's exactly, I, man. I don't know that guy, man. All I can tell you is is good luck, buddy. Because I don't even know how to answer that question. I that that's that that is that's a killer of culture right there. That, that is a culture exactly killer. And is. no, there is no doubt about it. Holy um, cow! There is no doubt about it. And I'm not trying to dodge the question either, is LJ. That is a tough question. If you were stuck in a it position is. where your training division want you to disappear, then you are in a bad, bad, bad position. And and I will go, and we've already talked about Mark Von Oppen a couple times today, and that is, that's a bad culture. And culture change does not come about in a short time frame at all. And my one of my favorite quotes is, culture change is a war of attrition, not a shock and awe campaign. So stay the course, do what's right, take your small yep. victories, and that's really, unless you're willing to uproot and move to a different department, that's your only options that I know of. Yep. Yeah. Um, here's another one. I mean, we're, we're, they are coming right down the pipe at you. So Garrett Toe said, I recently asked my LT about stretching lines on smells and bells just to get wor- real world wet, r- real world reps, but was told that we can't take the engine out of service. None of my reasons made any difference. What is the next best way to get realistic reps? <laughs> Man, you just oh my gosh! These guys are—they're throwing some curveballs. They at are, us dude. These are these That's are okay. They're challenging you. That, um, man, just keep plugging away at him. Just keep plugging away. Just whatever you do, man. Don't throw. Them, I know we. I know I've said this already. Don't throw them underneath the bus. Don't be cocky. Just keep the passion. Um, hopefully, you have some other guys on your shift that are passionate as you, as this guy is. Just keep plugging away. I mean, that's all I can tell you. Um, uh, gosh dang, man, that's a rough one, too. I, I hate that for that guy because it sounds like he's wanting to make a difference. Right, right. Um, and so that's a tough that's a tough one. But, man, just keep plugging away. Stay humble. Keep plugging away. Um, hopefully uh, you have some other guys on your shift or your department that's trying to make a difference. Right. Um, whatever you do, uh, get – man, stay hip-to-hip with them guys because – with the passion ones, because eventually, um, passion, passion and love for our craft, uh, it will, it will drown out the dislike and the unpassionate very quickly. And your example, uh, your example will be contagious. It will be. So man, Hey, just keep plugging away, guy. Don't, don't give up. Don't give up this craft because it's, it's, it's great, man. I'm, I'm sorry to hear that from you. And if he won't let you stretch on smells and bells, which I mean, uh, yeah, that, that sucks. But you get back to the pad, and if he still won't let you stretch off the rig back at back at the station because he doesn't want to take the the rig out of service, 
then grab a couple rolls of spare hose and stretch off the hydrant, man. Uh, our man, Jeremy yep. Sanders has a whole lot of drills. He does coming off of a hydrant and just, just practicing and moving. And so, I mean, he can't make you, he cannot tell you, you can't stretch off. I mean, I guess he can, but at some point someone's going to step in and say, no, this kid can do this. So, um, all right. Hannah Elliott said burpees exclamation point. Talk about the challenge LJ. Oh yeah. John Sparrow. Yeah. You know, John's been on your show. That dude, John Sparrow is the bolt. He's the burpee king. I he mean, is there's, no doubt, dude. I, I, there's no doubt when, you know, John Sparrow thinks about burpees and there is no doubt that burpees think about John Sparrow. I mean, hands down, but yeah, you know, John, he challenged, he challenged on his, uh, on his personal Facebook page and his, uh, his, uh, what uh, fit for five, 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 yeah. five. three thousand um, burpees you know, three three thousand burpees this month and hannah set up a, a facebook page with a whole bunch of us and so we're doing it so um yeah man burpees i love them i love them they're the ultimate equalizer doesn't matter and uh it's all mental game man i love it so chris red has chimed in and said let your passion be addictive remind them what it felt like on their first day or year and that is good man if you if you can yep. if you can start a conversation with them and get them thinking in those lines it may not happen on the first conversation but maybe on the 10th or 15th maybe they'll start getting that spark fired back up gary geist i'm not sure if it's related another yeah, word, that's my mom there you go another word about positive leadership now we know where you got it from there is nothing that sours the workday like working a job where the leadership is bad and company morale is caustic. It affects the whole company. Likewise, good positive leadership empowers individuals and affects the morale of the entire company. I know yep. where you got it from now. Dude, my mom, she's a rock, man. Hannah Elliott says, I talked to Corley about this briefly, but I have had a thought recently that you have to protect your passion for the job. I think it requires first realizing the value of passion and then recognizing the wear and tear of friction and negativity. No, this was a really good conversation we had. And uh, go ahead, man. If you got, I'll, I'll listen to you and I'll give my two cents. Oh, protecting the passion, huh? Yes. Man, that's that's all about just loving the job and just showing up ready to go, man. That's that's about get to me. To me, it's just about going in and throwing your gear on the rig and checking your pack every morning and and just starting the day off right. I mean, it. There's nothing more that I have a passion for than literally throwing my coat on the handle, going up in the back seat, grabbing my mask out of my bag and checking my pack every morning because I know it's go time. You know, I got 24 hours of go time, and for me, that's just a way that I protect my passion, I guess. And and I'm fortunate enough to have a captain and a guy on my shift right now that that I'm at my house with that. Um, we're always talking about scenarios. We're always talking about different things. And, um, we just, I, I'm just fortunate to have been surrounded by some great people that help keep my passion up. And, and, you know, we talked about it outside with our little bit ago with outside training, man, it's about building those relationships 100%. and surrounding yourself with people who give a shit about this job. Yes. The gas meter. I love that. Yeah. So that will, if you want to protect your passion, surround yourself with like-minded people. And, and surround yourself with people who force you to do better, too. Oh, 100%. And do like LJ does. And do like Hannah does. And get to those conferences. Get to those outside sources. Yep. Get to those classes. Get to those trainings. So, 100%. I love that. I love that. Um, if you are watching this live and you see LJ's face creep off the bottom, and I'll come and grab it and I'll pull it back up, and then he'll go off the top. <laughs> so, I'm... He's moving around. I'm fighting to keep him framed, and it's a fun game. So just know that we're working on it. So, Sorry, man. No, you're good. It's funny because I, I look over because I'm not observant, and I'm talking to you over here. And then I look over, and I see that it's just your eyes talking to me. And I'm like, oh, crap, i got to frame him up better. I just don't want my phone to die. I bet it's about charged now. I bet we'd be okay. But... No, no, you're good. You're good. Uh, it's just I, do, I want people to know why I'm moving you around, and I, I just want them to know. Uh, the training officer said, rope bag, knots every 50 feet. Stretch that during your walkthrough. Dude, I love rope bags. I love rope bags just for just doing a, a estimated stretches. Yes, 100%. That's awesome. I, that's a new one. That's, uh, yeah. Dude, we had a rope bag with the carabiners, and they were the exact same length as our pre-connects, and we went to a lot of our garden-style apartments, and we would just go and say, can we get up there? And it's not 100% because you, you, you lose some of the, the play 
but you will know that, hey, our pre-connect will get us to this third floor landing right here with a 50-foot section to go. You know what I'm saying? It's yep. great. It's great. That's knowledge. great. Man. And there's certain things where we're like, there is no way our pre-connect gets us there. And then all of a sudden we're like, oh, we can do this. So anyway, yep. uh, Paco Cio Corlin said, LJ, what's up, brother? Man, that's a good dude. Yeah, he – he uh. Yeah, he's uh, with Aurora, Colorado now, and he's on the Aurora Combat Fighter on the Firefighter Combat Challenge team with Aurora Fire. And man, him and Louis Disney and a couple guys are making waves. So yeah, Paco, hey man, what's up? You're, he's a solid dude, one of the most humble dudes you'd ever meet. So awesome, awesome good guy. And Stephen, yeah, Stephen actually, Stephen Colonane, 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 that's Colonane. my boy right there. He said, "I'm moving that pick so we can see that stash." So he actually clued in on what I was actually doing. So, 100%. All right. LJ, I love asking this question, which is, do you have book? Oh, I didn't even get to family, So, we, but I'm moving on to book and books. Do you have a book or books that you think firefighters should be reading? You know, hands down for me, this is a no-brainer. Uh, Jared Sergi's no-nonsense leadership, man. That, that book, I could not put that book down when I got it. Um, I actually won that book from him and, uh, that when I, when I got that book, I just kind of opened up the first couple pages, see what it was going to be about. And I never put it down. And the thing, the thing that I liked about that book, it's not a bunch of BS psychological doctorate reading material. It is straightforward firefighter stuff. Right on. And to me, um, just, I wish I had that book here. It's actually, I think Stephen Colony just chimed in, maybe just finished reading here a while back, and it might be with another company officer. Over pass there it around. Um, because it's a, in my opinion, it's a book that everybody from recruit to, to chiefs need to read. No, it's um, because it is, it is so, yeah, you're right. It's so solid. It's so, it's so straightforward. But, you know, one of the things that I appreciated that he said was talking about getting new recruits into his house. And one of the things he said, he goes right out of the bat, they get a challenge going. We get a company T-shirt, and we sit down around the round table and drink coffee, and we and we talk to them, and, and we and we teach them their expectations. And to me, man, I guess it related to me because I had that same experience with my company officers over there. But um, I just I don't know. That book is great. Um, I'm a pretty big John Gordon fan as well. Uh, the power of positive leadership, the power of positive team leadership. Um, both those books are outstanding books. So. I think for three books that have affected me here in the past couple of years, um, those would definitely be the three for me. So Jared Sergi's No Nonsense Leadership uh, yep. and Gordon's The Power. What did you say? John, John Gordon. Right. Uh, the Power of Positive Leadership, which you need to read that first. And then you need to uh, order The Power of Positive Team Leadership. Okay. Okay. I like yeah, it. I read it. If I ever books. update the the reading list, I promise those will make it on there. Right now, I'm stuck yeah. in the 30s, and I, I got to get some time and and make it happen. So awesome, man! So we have a thing called the Five Questions for Firefighters on the weekly scrap, and it is uh, five questions that have evolved over time, but they've pretty been pretty solid for the last 30 episodes or so. And the last uh, kind of change to it was wording on searchable space versus tenable space. And that was, uh, thanks, thanks for Chief Ron Walt. Right on. <laughs> so, um, the points are arbitrary. It's all about your opinion. And LJ Geist, are you ready for the five questions for firefighters? Let's roll. Send it. Here we go. <laughs> I like the send it. Uh, that, that, that's also Ryan Walt. Now it's going to be a thing, I think. Uh, what is the number one issue facing the modern fire service, according to L.J. Geist? I have two of them, really. The first one you talked, you kind of hit on a little bit earlier, but I'm going to say training, and here's what I mean by that. So every one of us, if we're honest, is guilty about this, but we have people, and we've done it ourselves, that complain and complain, I better not say the other word, about medical calls or alarms, general fire alarms. So how many times do we show up to a medical call when we're pissed off and it's three o'clock in the afternoon? We'd rather be at the training tower pulling hose or throwing ladders or cutting a car or something. And we go do this medical and we do our job as servants and serve this person. We get back on the engine and we take off when 
we had the very chance of turning a medical call into a fire training situation. We we get every one of us can get that every day. Thousand percent. Because I live I live in a crazy cool town that has some of the neatest establishments and buildings and and houses that have been turned into multifamily dwellings. So we've got the opportunity every day to turn those low acuity calls into something really cool. Especially when you have a new person riding on your regular, maybe he's got switched districts. A hundred percent. So for me, that's one of the things. And then number two, why do we hire people that we hire? And I'm not, and I'm not a chief and I've never been on a hiring process, but are we hiring people because they scored a 98% on a test? Or are we hiring people that when they come interview for us, you can tell that they are passionate and they give a shit about serving people. I can tell you right now, I would rather go to a structure fire or go to a medical call or go cut a car up and get somebody out with people who are C-plus students who give a shit about life and give a crap about people rather than going to one of those calls with a 4.0 grade point average kid who has zero work ethic and could give a shit less about what he's doing. Dude, so, yes. So are we, tra- are we training with the right purpose, and are we hiring for the right purpose? Those are my two answers to that question. I'm not sure if it's possible, but you just got better than max points on the question. answer to question number one, dude. That is a 100%. Dude, that was a great answer. So moving on to question number two. I, I think you set the bar too high on one, so we'll see how it goes from here. Uh, what is the thing you are most excited about for the future of firefighting? Training. Dude. You and I are fortunate to live in the area of the country we live in because if you go, if you come up here to Wichita, they got Wichita hot. And if you've never been to Wichita hot, you've got to come to Wichita hot because it is so amazing. And it fills up in like 10 minutes. Oh, there's no doubt. You know, but we got the Scott Kleinschmitz, the Stephen Runyons, the, I mean, we got these dudes, Isaac Frazier's. I mean, these dudes are solid people. So then you go down to, to Oklahoma City, Midwest City with the Mid-America Fools Conference and some of the badass training that we had down there. Then you go clear down into Texas with the Chief Ryan Waltz and the Kyle Romagus, is how he say his last Romagus, name? Romagus, yes. And, yeah, and then if you want to make you know, you can go up to Colorado and go to the Mile High Fools Conference or Kansas City and all that. So, man, you can't, you can't have an excuse of, I don't have time to go train because it's too far away because it's happening everywhere, and there is some top-notch quality training. And even with COVID right now, there are some great, podcast and lectures that you can get on and you might have to pay five or 10 or 20 bucks for them. But you know what, if that means learning something, then do it. It's okay. There's nothing wrong with it. So man, I, I the training, I, I honestly think Corley, we're at the very beginning stages of training that it's just going to, it's, it's going to multiply and it's just going to be, it's going to be awesome, man. I'm stoked about some of the training coming up. Absolutely. And, and Tony Nunez said Florida with an exclamation point. He didn't want to be left out because there's no doubt about it, man. But, yes. I got to get I got to get to that. Dude, I had so much fun last month in November. It was great. I cannot wait to go back. I wish I was uh, – I'm so mad I didn't go to the, the benefit con- uh, conference. Um, sorry. I, I don't want to – I got to stay focused. Best rank. Number three, best rank or position to hold in the fire service? Oh, without a doubt, backseat. I've been pretty fortunate. I had some company officers that trusted me to, to ride in the officer seat a little bit. Um, when you do that, it's a, whole, you, it's a whole new mental perspective of how you think about your career oh, and no your doubt. shift and your eyes. I mean, it's you, the first time I ever did that I ever got the opportunity to do it, I didn't even enjoy being on shift that day because I was going through so many scenarios, you know, just, it's one of those things, but man, to me, the back seat of an engine, I love hose work and there's nothing more fun than bailing off an engine and grabbing the hose and going where your company boss tells you to go. It's that, that to me, that's the best job in the world. I can't, I can't argue with that. I cannot. Well, argue I say with it's, that. it's the third best job in the world. Being a husband and a father, is this two best and then and then being a hoseman on the back seats the third best so yeah go. let's let's get the priority straight here but it is the best in the fire service hands down yes sir all right, all right. I, I'll, I i cannot argue with that i cannot argue with the logic and no question number four best advice you have ever received oh Corley, you're gonna hit me in the feelers in this one guy okay 
So uh, let's go back to 2009 um, when my son Porter was born. And this would have been uh, somewhere around the March 15th, 2009 timeframe. We got Porter home from the hospital and I'm scared shitless and my wife's sore because we had to have an emergency section. All that's going on. And was this first kid? Kids. I'm asking for, is this first kid? Yes. Okay. Oh yeah. Okay. First kid, first kid. Yep. So all the grandparents are down and, and, uh, my dad said, Hey son, let's go out on the porch and have a beer together, which kind of threw me for a loop. Cause he never said that to me ever growing up. So okay. we're out on the front porch and we're sitting there visiting a little bit. And he said, son, what's it like being a dad? And I'm like, good Lord, I've been a dad for three days and I'm scared. But, um, he said, he said, I want to give you a piece of advice. And, and it was, it was the coolest advice ever. And, and because it, 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 it's life in general. But he said to me, he said, son, he said, now that you're a father, he said, it is your job to be a father figure to every kid that you come in contact with and every kid that your fr- that your kids come in contact with. And, and now that I think about that, and now that I'm in the fire service, it, it's our job as dads to love people and, and to love kids. And, and it's, and, it, and it's, and it's almost turned a full fulcrum for me because within a two block radius of our house, our house is the hangout for kids. I mean, we have kids over here all the time and all these kids, I coach them in football and and basketball and baseball and all this. And so, and then now that I'm in the fire service, all the public education we do and going to schools and different things and going to calls, it just, it's just, it's just about loving people, man. And, and it just, it just, it's all falling back on what life is all about. It's about relationships and about loving people and it's about what um, what was his um, Sean? He was your guest, two or three guests ago. Duffy. Sean Duffy said, "You know, it's what his dad told him. It all falls back to the same thing. It's not our job to to judge people. It's our job to serve people. Hell yeah, the, the same spectrum. It's our job to love people and just to be the father figure to people. So, man, that's for me. That's and my dad passed away in 2014. So that's to me that hits home. Right in the feelers, like you said, dude." Um, yeah, uh, of course. I mean, you know, like it matters. Max points. I was a unbelievably good answer for best advice ever, which leads to question number five, heavy fire and searchable space. Would you rather be assigned to the nozzle or first in on VES? <laughs> I know I'm going to catch some flack about this one, but okay. uh, dude, I'm on the nozzle. Yep. You guys. I'll, I'll go start. I'll go start laying fire out, and you guys get in there and do what you need to do with whoever's on the truck company or or ladder or whoever might be extra on the engine or whatever. But dude, I I'm telling you, man, I absolutely love uh, hose work and engine work. So for me, and and I know it's all about life and it's all about saving life. But I believe you can put fire out and, and be able to save life at the same time. So. That's that's what it is for me. I love it, dude. I love the nozzle. So you're never gonna go wrong going nozzle, and and you're never gonna go wrong. That's why it's such a great question. I love closing with number five, and there is no right answer for it. So you get max points for being passionate about it. So there it is. The five questions for firefighters according to LJ Geist. Good job, sir. Thank you. All right. Best place to contact you if people want to get in touch with you, uh, get to know you, uh, reach out to you. Uh, man, you can look me up here on Facebook, um, L-J-A-Y, uh, Geist, G-E-I-S-T. Um, man, you can check out 110 for the 343 on Facebook, or I guess you can just type my name on, on Instagram, too. Check me out. I don't know what my username is on that, but uh, anyways, uh, yeah, if you have any questions or, um, you know, I, I kind of want to close with how Chief Isaacson closed down in Midwest City, but... Uh, Man, if you're in some tough calls, you're going through a difficult time with family or, or suicide or anything's ever crossed your mind, man, get a hold of us. Get older poorly. Hundred um, percent, man. It's you're 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 uh, you're on this earth for a purpose, and so, um, man, get a hold of me. We'll talk. I don't care if it's two o'clock in the morning and I'm on shift. If I'm not a call, um, I probably answer my phone and, and talk you through whatever. So yeah, if you just need motivated because you're down and out in the fire service, man. Give me a call. But yeah, look me up if you need anything. I love it. Brother, I love it. And I will second that 100%. If you need me, LJ, and and you can look to the people who've commented on here, and I'm sure all of them will chime in and say, reach out to me if you need it. So, yep. uh, a thousand percent. Um, 
house cleaning next week. Mike Heaney is coming up. It's going to be a fun time. <laughs> After that, Mr. Fire Engineering, Bobby Halton. A few days. December is packed and loaded. I'm not going to lie here for the scrap. Scott Thompson, he is coming in. I had the book laying out, but I was reading it earlier. But we are doing nothing but dissecting uh, the Marines book on learning that came out this year. And then Walter Lewis out of Miami. Uh David Hina Joseph Hinojosa. I'm gonna butcher his name every time and he's going to punch me in the throat. But uh it's a packed December leading into twenty twenty one. So um other than that, that's it for weekly scrap number sixty one. It is in the books. LJ, it was a wonderful conversation with you, my friend. Hey, thanks, man. What an honor it was and uh thank you so much for the opportunity, Corley. And uh man, I respect your friendship and, and your brotherhood and just man, just keep Keep going with what you got going, man. It's uh, you got a great thing going here, and I I'm beyond humbled to be a, a guest on this powerful show. Believe me, uh, and I say this every time, I'm blown away by the quality of people I get to have conversations with, you included. And so, uh, to everybody that tuned in, thank you for the questions, the comments. You guys are what makes the scrap uh, different and fun and dynamic. Believe me, when you throw those hard balls right down the pipe, and uh, we try to we try to uh, field them. But other than that, I hope the tone stays silent. Unless it's burning, everybody stay safe out there. Thank you, LJ. Thanks, sir. See you later. Thanks for listening to The Weekly Scrap. Please subscribe and please share. We'll see you at the next episode.